What's happening, weirdos? It's we we made we, we, <laughs> it's we made it weird. Eighteen. <laughs> we were just laughing. Here's my impression of a guy who doesn't who's never had sex before, but you don't know until the end of the first time you're having sex. Ready? I'm gonna pee. I'm gonna pee. <laughs> Okay. Oh my god. We're having fun. We're having fun. I'm gonna shoot, remember? Oh, from I'm gonna MacGruber, shoot from McGruber. One of the funniest things of all time. I'm gonna shoot. Oh I'm gonna god. Shoot. I'm gonna shoot. <laughs> the worst thing anybody could I ever know. say. Except for calling testicles a buffalo heart. I didn't come up with it. It was my nickname oh. in college. <laughs> and by that I mean every once in a while. Christian college is so homoerotic. It was like Somebody, I remember somebody came from a few dorms over to see my forget it. But <laughs> you'd, you'd whip out your balls. <laughs> well, I think we can piece it together. Yeah, there it is. Wow. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you think it. my nerds are like huge? Did you go like the first time you saw my wanger? I think uh, they are huge, but they are in proportion to everything else. That's so funny because one of my friends used to make a joke where it was his fist and my his pinky was my penis. And he was like, you want to see my balls? Yeah, yeah. And he would, and he would mime hiding the tiny dick and the huge balls. <laughs> Should we do this again? <laughs> Should we start over? I don't know. It's pretty good. I think it's great. Okay. Well... Uh, we I, we talk a lot about a lot of things. We answer one question. We read some poems. I mm-hmm. think it's silly. Mm-hmm. I think it was a good one. And a good one. Yeah. And also some good depth. It really means a lot. Even the Clown Diarrhea episode, people were reaching out and saying, hey, that meant a lot. And, and these talks mean a lot to us, too. Yeah. And I feel like we are both in a better place than we have been the last couple episodes. Yeah, I felt more centered and calm. But we'll, we, we talk about it in the episode. I, I had a non-specified drug experience <laughs> yesterday, and I, I do think that sort of grounded me a little bit. Nice. In a good and way. I'm just feeling good. And Val's just <laughs> feeling good. Yeah, you didn't even talk about this. You are sobs. You're totally sobs. Uh, yeah. We had a good laugh last night. About how you've just been like tackling the demons, yeah, completely subs, yeah. Soby iced tea, baby. It's a way that I'm I very act- proud of you. Thank you, Soby Sobieski. That's how we say thank you. <laughs> I'm Lily. I'm Lily. I'm Lily. Oh, that's good. Instead I'm, of saying I'm sober, I just go. I'm sorry. I'm Lily. I'm Lily. Soberesky. Oh God. Ooh. Did you ever drink Soby? I think everybody's had a Soby, but they don't remember it. <laughs> I think I went through a Sobe phase, but I don't remember it. So you don't even remember phases of Sobe, I don't think. No, I went through a Arizona iced tea. Yeah, you seem more like an Arizona iced tea. I guy. do. What does that mean? I think it's. I'm a like compliment. a yuppie. Yeah. Yeah. Arizona somehow marketed itself to be like we're the good tea. Yeah, we're tea. We're not juice. Right, and then like when when have you had an Arizona iced tea lately? It's like clearly Canadian. Oh. There was a time when we were just like, I'll ni-, and that's basically LaCroix. <laughs> oh my God. Clearly Canadian was clearly LaCroix <laughs> DM. It was clearly LaCroix DM. Wait, is Arizona iced tea Canadian? 
No, clearly Canadian is another thing. It's it's confusing because it's a sentence. Oh, there was a beverage called Clearly Canadian, which was sparkling water with a li- with a lot, like an eighties amount of fruit flavor. Oh, now we have a twenty twenty amount of fruit flavor, which apparently we just want like a just a <laughs> yeah. Somebody belched up lime sunblock, and it was the coconut flavor. Yeah, which I like. That's I like the what coconut I was flavor for. too, as much as I like any of them, which is not very much. <laughs> so it means a lot that people uh, like the show, and yeah. it means a lot. I'm not just saying this; it really means a lot to us. Uh, this is what we're doing for work, basically. So if you want to say thank you, please try a Pete's Pick. Here's the easiest one: it's free. It's free to go to joinhoney.com/weirdo and sign up for Honey. It's the app that automatically searches for promo codes online. But imagine this. You make a list of gifts you want to buy for the holidays, and then someone randomly gives you money to help you buy one. That sounds pretty good. Yep, I'd do that. Guess what, Val? What? That's what Honey is doing. Are you fucking Shut up. Shut your mouth. They are helping pay for $1 million worth of gifts. What? That's a Dr. Evil amount of gifts. One million dollars. It's the same honey that was already giving us free cash for doing nothing. And with honey, you can now also make a list of the holiday gifts you want from certain stores. And honey will email you when the price drops. Yeah. This is like how my mom used to clip I'm telling you, it's your mom digitized and perfected. Yes. And if the price drops, they email you the price and tell you anything on your list. Just add Honey on your computer, create a free account, free, 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 and throw your holiday gifts on your drop list for a chance to win. Honey will randomly select winners and give them that money to help them buy something on their list. I use Honey... Uh, because it saved me 15 bucks on wireless headphones for doing nothing. And I plan on putting more tech stuff, more electronic stuff, and more Christmas gifts (gasps) on my drop list. Happy honey days. Oh my God. Happy holidays. (laughs) And I want honey to help me pay for those. So that's why I am doing that. No purchase necessary. You need a PayPal account, a corn account to redeem the prize only valid in the u.s giveaway ends 12 21 20 so go to joinhoney.com slash weirdo and sign up for honey that's joinhoney.com slash weirdo and start saving monies today happy honey day here's the next easiest way and kind of one of my absolute favorite ways to support the show is get yourself some dope ass sheets look we're sheet people we're sheet people but honestly val for a long time we were phoning in our sheets they had holes they had like cigarette burns even though neither of us smoke (laughs) we i wanted luxury nice five-star hotel sheets but they cost so much. And that's what happened with Brooklyn and founders Rich and Vicky. When they couldn't find beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and a leg, I just gave up. Not Rich and Vicky. Rich and Vicky founded Brooklinen, the first direct-to-consumer bedding company. They work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you. Wow. Without the markup. Oh. No middleman. Thank God. Fuck you, middleman. Yeah. Looking at the sheets going, I'm going to... Tack on 38%. Yeah. I don't like you. Brooklinen, we all know, has sheets... 
but they have them in every color you could want, every pattern you could want, every size, every material to fit your needs and taste. And they're so confident you'll love their products. They offer 365-day money-back guarantee. That's a full Earth human year. Wow. Plus, Brooklinen's biggest sale of the year is happening right now. If you've got people on your list, and I'm sure you do, that are hard to please, go to brooklinen.com. Maybe get them a gift card or maybe get them bedding, towels, loungewear, more. They've got candles, silk eye masks, robes, anything to put your picky aunt into a virtual, essentially a spa day (laughs) at home. Uh, I love these sheets. I was tired of waking up and looking forward to staying in a nice hotel so I could have smooth, clean, nice, beautiful, bright, colorful sheets. And now we have that experience at home. So what are you waiting for? Support the show and support your fine, smooth ass. (laughs) With some Brooklyn and sheets. Go to B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and use promo code WEIRD to get 10% off your first order and free shipping. That's brooklinen.com, promo code WEIRD for 10% off free uh, shipping. You want to do the last one? Brooklinen.com and use promo code WEIRD at look, checkout. You have to look at it. I just said it twice in a row. Well, I didn't know that it was the same thing. You're right. It could have been like, hey, please, it's Pete. Pete, it's us at the Brooklyn and Company. Don't say you're smooth, sweet ass. I got an email in real time as I'm recording. Finally, this we got something for everybody. This is Babel. I am interested in language. I'm interested in mental elasticity, keeping my brain vibrant, keeping my brain sharp. And I wanted to learn, uh, well, rather brush up on the language I had learned in high school, which is Spanish. And whenever I tried stuff like that in the past, I was spending hours, I'd say wasting, learning random vocab words I knew I wouldn't use. But enter Babel. Babel. It's even a Bible reference, which I like. Babel is different. It teaches you phrases, real phrases made by real language experts that you'll actually use in real life, including, and I love this, slang. If you're interested in learning a new language, you know your reason why. It could be for work. could be to feel connected to a culture, perhaps your own culture. Maybe it's just like me to keep your brain sharp. Babbel is language learning for everyone, whatever your reason. Babbel is a language learning method designed to get you speaking a new language within weeks with 10 to 15 minute lessons. They're fast. It's a small part of my day. They're not boring. You start with words and phrases, and then sentences gradually get more complex. Soon, you're practicing short conversation. Babbel has an interactive dialogue and speech recognition technology that helps you improve your pronunciation and accent so you feel more confident when you speak. And their lessons are created by real language language experts, not machine learning algorithms or AI technology, so you're getting practical, real-world conversations made by real human beings that speak the language. They've sold over 10 million subscriptions, and you can choose from 14 different languages. Which one would you pick, Mama? Spanish? French. French. I'm going to do French. I'm still I'm still going to do it. I love that. I'm excited. I, want, I always, oh, romance alert. I was like, I'm never going to go to Paris until I'm in love. Yeah. So. And I'm going to take your ass to Paris, your smooth ass. <laughs> and you're going to take my smooth Brooklyn and sheet ass to Paris. And then I'm going to be like, and like, you won't be able to order without me because I'm going to know French from back. Oh my God. Promo code Pete. Tu smooth key. Ooh. I did go to Paris once before and. And I, the only thing I worked up the courage to order was 
un pan u chocolat. <laughs> un pan de chocolat. Un pan u chocolat. Uh, It's not very good. Di manu, s'il vous plaît. Oh, wow, Boof. Boof? <laughs> I know his name is Shia the Beef. That is my favorite thing I've ever tweeted. I know. Speak the language <laughs> you've always wanted to and like you've always wanted to with Babbel. Right now, Babbel is offering our, cus- our, our customers, our listeners, <laughs> three months free with a purchase of a three-month subscription with promo code Pete. Visit Babbel.com and use promo code Pete for a free three-month addition to your subscription. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com with promo code P-E-T-E. <laughs> Babbel. Language. For life. Dance audiobook. <laughs> I wish you could have seen his face was in the position to say this for a good for quite a while. Quite a while. Lord knows for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Hey gang, happy holidays, whatever you're celebrating. Thanks for listening. We look forward to these Fridays with you and you're loved and you're valued and you're not you'll get we'll get to this in the episode but you're not just loved you are loved so enjoy and uh do we say keep it crispy here (laughs) (laughs) you're new here honey we say get into it you'll learn pete and val therapists (laughs) get over it (laughs) (laughs) but seriously get into it and get over it Mm mm-hmm uh, we made it weird. <laughs> we made it weird. We made it weird. We made it weird. Oh, yeah. We, do you know that? We made it weird. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to say this, but I know that I'm not the only one because a couple people have asked this. Mm. When I first started listening to the podcast, I thought that was you. Singing. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Because it just seems like kind of a voice you would do. You made it weird. I can't do it, really. You made it weird. It's Reggie Watts. Yeah. I, don't I had to it. email him a bunch. That's all I remember about the theme song. Was he, Reggie said he would do it, and I believed him, but he's a, obviously, but he's a busy fella. And I had to email him maybe one more time than I was comfortable with. You know, where you're starting to nag somebody? Mm-hmm. Valerie, <laughs> you are not interested in this anecdote. I've heard it. <laughs> I know. Imagine how I feel. Oh. I've heard all my anecdotes. <laughs> I've heard all my anecdotes. <laughs> I've heard all my anecdotes. Okay, so I was saying, here's a couple things I thought on a unspecified drug experience. <laughs> I was like, big band music. Remember this? Yeah. You've only heard it once. I've only said it once, so no need for the... I've already forgotten it. I Was... Uh, Big band music, like Michael Buble. Mm-hmm. I was a James Bond. I mean, Frank Sinatra. <laughs> you know, James Bond of music, Frank Sinatra. Um, was I like think James Bond could croon. <laughs> he looks like if he was in a pinch. Yeah. And like the bad guy's in the back, and he's like, I'm going to shoot the dame if this audience leaves. And he's like, uh, <laughs> Oh, uh, shaking that stuff. 
<laughs> I like my martini. Boom, boom. Shake and not stand. Get into my car and out of my dreams. I'm an absurd. Okay. This is my car. It's an MG. Shake and not stand. But it's American music because it's like. It's like a corporation. It's like capitalism. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, again, unspecified drag experience, but it's (laughs) a a guy, a man, who has employees. So that's why it's even, it's like big band music. There's like 50 of them. And I said to you, I go, what did I say? I said, (laughs) and think of the trombone player. He's old, isn't he? So not only is this guy a boss, he's a hotshot boss. A new, like a young hotshot boss coming in. And And all the tenured guys are like, okay, but they still obey him. (laughs) So when he's like, shake and not start, they go, and so he has a huge corporation under him. And then the women, if there are any women, are usually just dolled up women that just go like, shake and not start. They're just there to like placate, giggle, support, and literally echo his desires. Yeah. His desire is to be like, I want a lemonade. He wants a lemonade. It's like, thanks, moms, stage moms. Yeah. Stage lover moms. Or secretaries. Totally. It's like it it's like fifth it's a it's like um a corporation in the fifties. It's like Mad Men. It's Mad Men. It's power. It's he's. What is he wearing? What is he wearing? He's wearing a suit. Is he drinking? I mean, Michael Bublé probably not, but Sinatra yeah. was. Is he smoking? Yes. So he's relaxed in the highest position. Yeah. And think of the band. They're sort of in the dark. You know, at the show, that their their time commitment is exactly the same, and their salary is one five hundredth. Mm. Of what the main guy is. It's a corporation. Unspecified drug experience. It's the swingingest cat in the town of New York Eve. (laughs) New York Eve. New York Eve. I also Ah. just want to get this out of the way and then I'm just going to ease into this and I'm going to realize that I remembered to say the things I wanted to say. (laughs) Okay. And here it is. I'm still sort of foggy from my unspecified drug experience yesterday. <laughs> well, that's a little more specific. <laughs> All drugs make you foggy afterwards. No, I mean that it was yesterday. I thought that you were trying to keep it unspecified that you just did drugs yesterday. No. <laughs> Ever since I found out that my mother, mommy dearest, uh, occasionally, thanks to whoever showed her how to use the podcast app, uh, <laughs> although we've had some lovely chats about these episodes, but uh, since I found out she listens... Uh, maybe it will keep the drug experience unspecified. Okay. Let's just say there was a little something, a little nugget left over. Didn't know I had it. <laughs> and uh, it happened. And it was very light. But yeah, I had a lot. Arguably a small dose. You'd call it a, a micro. <laughs> uh, certainly very, very small. But in the good way that micro small things can, <laughs> like ding-dongs, can have unseen qualities. <laughs> Hidden okay. I thought that would get a bigger laugh. I was wanting a ding-dong. A ding-dong? Not, a, not the kind that you're talking about. You're talking about a chocolate treat? Uh-huh. With a creamy middle? Yeah. Huh. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. <laughs> oh, my God. We 
have to talk about the M. Night Shyamalan thing. Uh-huh. I promise I'm not going to just chat and chat and chat, but I'm very excited. Here's the thing I wanted to drop. I'm, I'm, I'm touching more fingers than I have points. <laughs> he, was, he was touching his fingers like you're, list, like you're listing things. But I'm just but talking. Oh my god. We gotta talk about the M. Night Shyamalan thing. I I'm promise I'm not gonna <laughs> I like point two. I'm very excited. I feel like if I was giving a PowerPoint, those could have been the first three cards. Gonna talk about the M. Night Shyamalan thing. Next card, one, please. But it would be numbered. It would yeah, be like two. one, I'm gonna talk about the M. Shyamalan thing. Two, I'm not gonna talk the whole time. Three, I'm very excited. Oh god, two and three are really related <sighs> points. The most confident people are the most scared people. Hear me out. (laughs) Think of your Bill Clinton. Certainly I relate to this. I just mean like I have figured out how to manufacture confidence. People like me are so uncomfortable with the world the way that it is, right? Yeah. So uh, uncomfortable without being able to control reality. Yeah. That they are like, how can I manufacture a kingly, a regal persona that's so big that I can invade every micro government of human interaction, my job, what's it like in my family, what's it like when I'm at a party. I'm not doing it because I like it. I'm doing it because not having control is so frightening. I'm going to storm in, install my own government. Yeah. It will read as confidence, but really the, the driving force of it was I don't like this place. Yeah. So you were like, you didn't like it so much that you were like, I'm a cool guy. And everyone's like, listen to this cool guy. I'm a cool guy. But that guy, let's picture Bill Clinton, did it. I can't speak for him, but I'm saying for me, one of my little epiphanies was I was like, you became this because even being driven in a car, I was noticing all the tension I was carrying in my body. I was like, you are like kind of... I don't want to say it's the headline of who I am, but there's fear, there's discomfort, and the world is just so uncontrollable Mm -hmm. that one of the ways to control it is to become a loud, confident person that imposes themselves over a situation because they can't tolerate the feeling of the situation imposing itself on them. So strong people are the weakest people. It felt so profound when I thought it. Yeah, no, I, I think it is It is something. And <laughs> You were going to say profound? I think it is, it it is something. something. Um, no, I think we all have protectors protecting certain fragile parts of us, of ourselves, um, a, uh, like an emotional jock strap, if you will. <laughs> oh my God, it lifts it and it cools it. Does it cool it? Everything cools it, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. And I, I don't know certainly either. don't care to. Um, my, my ding dong. Um, but it would make sense that, you know, the people who have, that were their protectors want to control everything. Like, you want power. What is that? Well, that's having control over everything around you. And why why do you want it? Because Because it's so unpleasant. Because that protector is protecting uh, the fragile, probably child self, where something uh, chaotic happened to that child. That's right. Or unpredictable. I was noticed. uh, We've talked about this before. I always like driving. I don't like Mm -hmm. being driven. 
And I was going back. Another one of my epiphanies was like, stop blaming things. It's like at, at a certain point, you just go, it's me. I don't like being driven. Whether or not it has anything to do with my childhood, I can't be sure. I think it does. Mm-hmm. So then you're like, I'll drive myself because being driven is so unpleasant. Mm-hmm. I think we just made this point. Yeah. And um, I mean, we forget what I was You were saying say. it's coming from some sort of trauma in your past. And I, I'm agreeing with that. Yeah. Oh, it's like Enneagram 8s are seemingly like the roughest they're always challenging and and uh, having confrontations and can be more aggressive, but that's because they often were wounded as children and they like put on a suit of armor. Right, and that's why they also are very compassionate towards the underdogs. They like they reacted to their childhood wounds by being extra protective, and that can sometimes right become aggression. Right, but it's this is why it's always the bartender. That's kicking people out and has a shotgun under the. I'm picturing Mo from The Simpsons, mm-hmm. and he reads to the needy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> but like, so the the Enneagram eights build up a suit of armor of aggression. Like, don't fuck with me, fella. It's like all the storybook stereotypes of like the rough the roughneck from Brooklyn, but really he's got a heart of gold. Yeah, it's like the male equivalent of the prostitute with the heart of gold. Mm-hmm. Um, and the achiever is like, I'll become so shiny. Yep. Uh, like a feather in the forest and a frail. <laughs> Moana reference. We're only, whatever, five minutes in. Uh, but it's the same thing. It's like, I can't handle what happened to me as a child. That, yeah. that was like, I just kept going like, you are so sensitive. You're like one. Of, and this is why I think same, uh, successful people, a lot of them, want to get to a place where they're being pampered. Mm-hmm. Like they want to be at like a, a, a resort being mm-hmm. handed, look at first class. You should be embarrassed. Someone, mm-hmm. You're in a plane. Yeah, we're all on a plane. And someone's handing you a hot towel. Oh, you need to moisten your face mm-hmm. and your hands. Like, it's because the driven person, in my thesis, which we can't prove, not here, not now. <laughs> we don't have the tools. We don't have the tools, but what I have is me. My childhood was volatile and strange and uncontrollable, just like all of us, I think, Mm -hmm. as children. Mm -hmm. Mine felt, I can't say especially so, but it felt very much like that. And I was like, I'll become as shiny as I can so that I can not have uncertainty. Yep. So when I do get on a plane, and if I am flying fancy and someone hands me a towel, that feels right because you're like, you see me. I'm a crying baby. That's yeah. why I learned the skills that got me into the fancy seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're you're the only one that gets me, Diane, <laughs> the, the flight attendant, yeah. because you're handing me cakes and stuff. Because really, <laughs> all I want is a swaddle and a nuzzle. Yeah. yeah. Well, and not so so threes are trying to control their situation by being special, and so ha- it's another way of having power too. It's yeah. like if you're special, you have more power. And nines, uh, we've already cracked this on the podcast, but it's it's something that I only realized maybe this year, is that I, I am also, as a nine, trying to control my surroundings by, like, keeping everybody happy so that I'm not uncomfortable. Right. So everybody is scared. Everybody is trying to control oh my God. the chaos. Valerie. We just all have different ways of doing it, and then that's your personality. <laughs> that's, oh, 
slam dunk Michael Jordan barefoot from half court spinning. I counted seven. Anybody else? Seven complete spins. I saw eight. Oh, wow. Thank you, Dan. That is your personality. So on my unspecified drug journey that was very mild, and Mom, I'm telling you, I'm a cool guy. I'm a responsible guy. Um, but like, I was like, look at how many things. First of all, one leads to the other. One, you have no idea what anyone's going through. That is the first any time I've ever had an, an unspecified drug experience. I'm like, oh, my God, I am now a completely different thing. And I, I slide over reality in a completely different way. I'm noticing completely different things than I would have. And I was like, there's other non-chemical ways that you can do that. You could be in love. You could have just gotten promotion. You're in a good mood. Uh, whatever it might be. It, it could be a million, billion things. We're all these million-sided Rubik's Cubes. And we're all just going around kind of wrongly assuming, like, hey, you're a person, so how are you? <laughs> when you don't know... We basically came to this conclusion yesterday. We're like, everybody is carrying an unseen burden mm. for being alive. Mm -hmm. As I like to say, waking up into a conundrum that no one asked for or ordered. Mm -hmm. Being told inexplicably complicated riddles on reality. Our smartest minds are like, we're in space. <laughs> like, yeah. And you're just like, okay. I sound like Mike Bergbiglia. What do I do with that? And you're yeah. like, I got a sandwich. Am I still in space? <laughs> and we're eating sandwiches and we're watching reality TV because we're scared. Yeah. No wonder. That was such a huge breakthrough for me. Yeah. Every dispensary we went by, every McDonald's, yeah. every movie theater, I was like, yeah, if there's one thing we can all agree on, mm -hmm. and I don't mean mentally, I mean deep in your bones, mm -hmm. it's like, ah, we need help. Yeah. We're freaking out. Yeah. And it's a, it's no, it should be no wonder that you will join any club with the highest walls mm -hmm. and the firmest doctrines mm -hmm. and the brightest colors and the best uniforms and the biggest manifestos. And smoke, or smoke the weed, or eat the pizza, or, or just stay very busy so that you're distracted. Totally, which is what you and I have noticed. I've been doing. We've, I I think that's like yeah. what almost everybody in the pandemic is either noticing or they're not, but they were doing it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> like we're, it's like, why am I so uncomfortable when I don't have anything to do? And it's it's because so often you're out running. Um, you're outrunning your your own mind and your own dis uncomfortable feelings. That's right. I'm not anything. I'm making this birthday cake. Yeah, we're just. I mean, if you're, cl if I do it, this is such a. Uh, it's it's like a way of, you know, fight, flight, freeze. This fawn. Is, <laughs> fawn. This is a flight mechanism. Is just like staying over busy. So that your mind is like, has something else to think about. So that it's like, well, I have to take the, do the laundry and I have to clean the kitchen and I have to finish the, this email and I have to do And like, so that you're always thinking about the things that you have to be Which doing. Which is what social media is too. I need to check my likes. Is there yeah. a comment? Is there, it's just like, I can't be alone. Yeah. And really the headline though was like, 
we should be more compassionate. Because mm-hmm. so we drove to this place, and I wasn't driving. I was driving. And Val was An driving. An unspecified person was driving. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's not about you driving. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't. And again, very mild knock to the left. Very mild. But I was so in my body. That's what I'm realizing was happening. Mm. I felt hollow, but at the same time, I felt so solid and and in myself. Mm. And when we got on the freeway and I just saw all the cars, I was just so overwhelmed that like every one of them was manned by what I was saying, someone we don't know what they're going through. Mm-hmm. And as I joked to you, I was like, most of them are looking at their phones, mm-hmm. which is true. And we're all sort of hurling on pavement at 70 miles an hour. And I just noticed that, like, any time you had to, poor thing, uh, kind of urgently press on the brakes, mm-hmm. my body, we're just not made for that. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is, everybody you see deserves your patience and your love and your compassion and your understanding. And it's not just for modern life. It used to be like, I can't believe I have to run from this bobcat every fucking day. And now it's like, I can't believe we get on the 101 and like, Jesus, like every five seconds, my body thinks it's going to die, which it normally does. But I just don't normally notice because it's normal. And it's normal to go. "Eh," You don't even know, register it as a, "Eh." And that's arguably what road rage is, is, you know, you're scared, so you fight. You're, you get in your right. parasympathetic, or your, sorry, your sympathetic nervous system, and then your fight is like, this fucking asshole cut me off. Right. Like, that's because you were scared, because you were in danger. You were in actual danger. That's, that's really what it is, is like, everyone is scared. Yeah, but... And I don't even mean that in a bad way. Yeah. I sort of mean it in the beautiful I way. was just saying this to my my uh, girlfriends today. I was like, Pete and I kind of had this realization yesterday, like, oh, everyone is just scared. And I was like, that sounds really sad, but I found it really comforting. It, well, yeah, it was unifying. And they all found it really comforting, too. So I hope that that is received as solidarity. Well, that's why I'm even bringing it back to like the most confident person is the most scared person because the highlight or the headline of the non-specified drug experience was like, we're all so similar and we're all walking around in so much of the same stuff. Yeah. It's a wonder that we've divided ourselves so much and gotten so lost in thought analysis when Mm. really like our bodies are these incredibly similar so mechanisms similar. that are... You're having so many feelings that I think you've just muted as normal mm-hmm. that when you have an experience or just tune in or meditate or just become aware and pay attention to what's going on in your body, mm-hmm. you're like... That's why I was just like, of course, everyone's doing everything they can but, like, everyone's carrying an unseen burden. Mm-hmm. And you're right. That, that is what road rage is. And that's, and that's what everything... That's what Twitter rage is. It's just like... Yeah. But we've lost touch with the basic. Mm-hmm. Like, it's fucking crazy being here. Yeah. I was saying to Val... Like, so many things are so obvious. Sometimes unspecified drug experiences can feel <laughs> like therapy. 
because I was like, when I go to a sporting event or something, last time this happened, I was seeing Oprah speak, uh, but it was at a sporting Arena. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, And all the bathrooms had been turned into women's rooms because it's an Oprah event. Mm -hmm. And there was one men's room, and it was like a 20-minute walk from where I was sitting. And my brain just starts obsessing with something that I'll I'll do pretty often. It doesn't impact my life in an outward way. Like, I don't think most people would know that about me. But I do a lot of P-math. I'm like, well, I'm at about like 15%. Mm. I think I have about an hour... Uh, Will I be able to get there? I don't want to be in the car. I'm like, where did this come from? And I asked my non-specified drug experience, where did that come from? And it replayed just without any hesitation. It was like, well, remember in third grade when you were on that field trip and you were in a bus on the highway and there was a kid who had to pee so bad he was screaming, crying, and said, it's going into my stomach, (laughs) which is a real line. And... I, so it's so sad, but it's going into my stomach it's is funny stomach because is funny. It's, it's kid logic. Uh-huh. It's like there's something in my body and, and because it's it won't go out. It's going to fill me up like a cartoon of like yes. the urine yes. levels rising up over your head. Totally. <laughs> and then he's going to explode in a yellow splash. Uh-huh. So on that day, I told you, because I just had such clear access to my memories, yeah. I was like, I learned, I looked at a teacher of mine and realized he was just some guy. Yeah. And that means up until that point, teachers were magical protectors that certainly wouldn't let it get to a, a point where you're screaming, crying, yeah. and thinking your pee is going into your stomach. Yep. And, hey, Pete, the unspecified drug experience whispered to me, you think that has anything to do with it? Yeah. It might have been second grade. I was a young kid and was like, oh, got it. Yeah. I would say I'm going to pose this theory that that wasn't the unspecified drug experience. It was your body. Your What the unspecified drug experience did. Can we please call it the U-D-E? Yeah, the U-D. The U-D. What the Ood did was um, put you in your body. That's exactly right. But this is what like 90% of my therapy is. My therapy sessions is like, if I were to say like, I I had like real pee panic. It was so strange. And she'll go in her sweet, beautiful voice. (laughs) I like so love my therapist too much. Um, But she, she will be like, can we? Let's just slow down and sense into that. And then I I just drop into my body and sit with the feeling. And then it's almost like like a little projector turns on and then I'll have the memory of yeah. where that feeling originated. So like your body's holding all of that. It has endless library of slides that you can really ask it. You can just directly ask, like, what what is this? And a lot of times it'll show you. That's really what the Ood showed me. But then I do think it's true all of the time. Mm. If you just take a moment to go, like, why and where and how am I having this feeling? Yeah. It's in there. Yeah. Like, all of that stuff is in there. Yeah. And it matters. In the same way that, like, we interpret our dreams, and that feels right on when I do it, interpreting your past is like interpreting a dream that really happened. Yeah. But you're like... Hey, when my mom asked my dad to redo the tile in their bathroom 
And instead of hiring a professional, he got a guy he knew to do it. And then that guy did a bad job. Mm-hmm. Like, it's weird. I'm supposed to, I think, I feel like I'm supposed to be ashamed of this. But that sort of bothered my reality. Mm. Because I was like, wait, mom wanted something. And even in my child reasoning, I was like, it seems pretty doable. Mm -hmm. And now we have a bath mat over the badly done tile Mm -hmm. that just sort of made me feel like the world was unsafe. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's a lot of little things too that can add up to that. Like there was, you probably were beginning at that point to sense the dynamic of your parents' marriage maybe. And so you knew it was loaded. It was like a loaded tile. That's why plays with like symbols, Mm -hmm. like symbolism. Mm Mm-hmm. I remember, I probably said this before, but Mr. Brown, who did this podcast, talked about how the front steps of the house in Death of a Salesman, spoiler alert, but the name is a spoiler, (laughs) um, were a symbol that, Mm. like, he just wouldn't fix them. And he was like, because that's how people are. They won't fix them. And the more I spend time in this strange and beautiful place you call Earth, I'm like... (laughs) holy shit, it's not just art. Art just shines a light on the fact that what you are inside comes out in symbols. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we always say this when someone tells you who they are, believe them the first time, which is my Angelou. But, like, you can even see it, like, you know, when someone's car is so messy mm-hmm. and they're coming to, you know design your kitchen you're just sort of like i don't know like (laughs) like when someone's like is there anything that you could have seen that you would have known that they were a a con artist Mm. i think that's why we're interested in con artists like what were the signs it's like looking at a dream wait come come to think of it he was always wearing scrubs that said scrubs on them from the tv show scrubs (laughs) i should have seen the symbol yeah that's interesting i that also made me think of um Another realization that you had uh, during a different unspecified drug experience where you were like, art is somebody painting a tree and being like, this is what I see. This is a tree. Do you see that? Well, <laughs> like, that, that was, yes. But it's, you know, obviously even deeper experiences. Like, I experience um, an inability to finish something or whatever. Uh or like a salesman I knew died. <laughs> oh my god, that's so um, funny. No, there was a version of that in this ood, which was um, everything is sharing. Yeah, that's right. That's that's, that's right. I, I couldn't stop being like, that's what it is. If you're in pain, you go and you, sh- you whatever's inside of you, you go around and you share it. Yeah, and that's like a very oversimplified way of sort of explaining the universe. If you have generosity, like generosity, if you have love, you go around and you share love. If you have fear, you go around and share fear. Yeah. But like human beings seem to be like trading in their inner states. Yeah. I feel like on one level, I think both of these things are true. I feel like on one level, people are walking around going, hey, this is me. I'm Dan. You always use the example Dan. Yeah. Uh, I'm Dan. I like baseball and um, uh, raviolis. 
And that's who I am. And aren't I special? And can you confirm that this is who you see when when you see me? And so there's like separateness, like special individuality. And we want each other to confirm that. So that's happening on one level. But I think on another level, people are walking around being like, is this your experience? Because this is my experience. And what we want to confirm is actually that we are the same thing. Right. I see this house. Do you see this house? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I have anxiety. What does it feel like when you have anxiety? Because is it the same thing? Because And also, does your anxiety tell me tell you that you're the only one having that experience? Right. <laughs> like, we're and because we are afraid, we want to know that we're not alone. Well, you have that with your... Con- not constant, but current mm-hmm. struggle. I don't know how to say this. It basically was like a PTSD episode, I think. Right. About, uh, uh, in reference to <laughs> um, the trauma of my depressive episode. Right. Which was and, two years ago. Right. And we sort of had the psychological equivalent of like, if you go to the the hospital and you realize that you have a condition that now they have a stint and they have this little plastic thing and they have a syringe, a, a single-use, blah, 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 and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And they have a little camera and you're like, oh, my God, I'm so glad I live in this time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the 1800s, they would have put a leech on me yeah. and, and sprayed me with, you know, pig blood, um, which the leech, by the way, loves. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a psychological equivalent to that, which is... So many people have sit with so many other people and said, it feels like I'm alone. Like, consider that we have the word depersonalization. Enough people sat with other people who weren't feeling that bad feeling, and they explained their bad feeling. They said, I feel like I'm not in my life. I'm watching my life as if it's like reading a story. And something as vague as the purple, dark swirl of a feeling Mm. is reported and then shared with so many medical professionals that they go, you have PTSD. That's right. And it will last probably this long. Yeah. And talking will help. And And we expect you to be better in this this amount of time. Yeah. It's it's incredible. Or or even even if you don't have that, because with trauma it is like... Ethereal. So even if, you know, like I've never had anybody tell me you can expect to be working on this for this amount of time because it's, it's hard. You can't yeah, really. No, yeah, was- but even without that, it is just what what um, Jennifer, my therapist, told me when I was really in the like the deepest darkness of it a couple weeks ago was I told her all of that, the basically the depersonal. Uh, the depersonalized feeling yeah, or the like, I just feel like I'm floating in a dark abyss and I'm not sure if I exist, but I'm terrified. I'm and sorry, was that a freestyle? <laughs> but I'm terrified. Uh, abyss. Abyss. Yeah. Abyss. I'm, abyss. Oh, I'm floating abyss. in a deep, dark abyss. I'm not sure if I exist. I don't know, but I'm terrified of this. Hey. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Um, you have to end with like, but you smell like ripe piss because uh, then everybody, you know, now, oh. it's, now it's a battle rap. Got it. Got it. Got it. Mm. I'm learning so much. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't mean to rap splain. <laughs> um, anyway, she was like, I didn't mean to method man splain. Oh my okay. God. <laughs> you go, you go. I'm done. <laughs> 
um, I was explaining that feeling and to my, to me in that moment, it really felt like, like, who am I even saying this to? And who am I to say it? And like, everything just felt so, um, just so up in the air (laughs) and untethered. And she was like, I understand exactly what you're saying. She even kind of elaborated on it. And I was like, yes, that's it. That's it. She's like, so you can be comprehended, which means you exist. And just that I was, it's like, it's like we all should be saying that to each other every day. Well, if it's mentionable, it's manageable. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I see you. This is, um, on a unspecified drug experience, uh, during my bachelorette party (laughs) with my closest girlfriends, my friend, Kristen, started this and we just kept doing it to each other but she would just look us like look you in the eye and go hey you i see you great job of being you (laughs) and it was incredible we were laughing so hard at like how good it felt we're like that's all we need that's all we're asking for that's so unspecified drug experience (laughs) having just been in an unspecified drug experience (laughs) state Life really just seemed so simple and so universal. Yeah. That um, it's funny, you and I have been having a lot of conversations of like depressed or enlightened, like how the mm-hmm. overlap is there. Mm-hmm. And I just kept going, like having some thoughts that might sound depressing, but they weren't depressing. Yeah. yeah. Thoughts like if you view humanity on a microscopic level, and think of each person as like a cell in a body. We are just cells eating energy. Mm. And so I was like, of course, in, a, in especially in our consumer society, we envy success because what a success means, success means you eat better energy. Like yeah. if you meet my friend Judd Apatow, you get a sense that he's eating more pork belly in more of a reduction sauce <laughs> on a warmer plate than you are. Uh-huh. You know, you could say the same thing about me. I'm probably, I don't eat meat, but you know what I mean? Uh, maybe my, and I even said to you, I was like, it's all sort of bullshit. Again, that sounds depressed, but I was like, even my thing, it's just another one of the choices. Mm. Like I have my energy. Oh, I, you're reminding me of, of a, of a unspecified drug experience epiphany where I was like, you want the same things the people that you look down your nose at want, but you want, not only do you want it, you want to act like you don't want it, which is even worse than just wanting it. Uh, But you want to be the guy that's like, oh, no, 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 I couldn't. Yeah. And then, and then like, there's a level of bullshit to that too. Mm. But anyway, so like when you meet a fancy, you meet Michael Jordan, you're like, how much energy, what energy is he eating? Yeah. And, and really, if you break it down, you're like, what energy is that energy eating? Cause he's, an, he's just energy too. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, okay. What is he eating? Yeah. I'm just saying, isn't it funny that it's, all, that we're like putting this energy on such a pedestal because it's eating pedestal pedestal Pedest- <laughs> I've just never heard you say pedestal before and I loved it pedestal <laughs> pedestal I didn't I don't think I've ever said it before I, just I don't made a I mistake. know you haven't oh don't break my heart it was a cute mistake <laughs> um anyway it's all energy. and he has Keep a huge going. house yeah so the huge house is like a huge piece of the earth like look at the bite of energy his property takes and 
somebody like that, Michael Jordan, probably has five houses. So look at all the energy. Like, look at all the, look at all of this that that thing is affecting, if that makes sense. Look at all. I I can't really explain it. But then it, it made me start thinking about, like, no matter how much money you have, everybody's eating, everybody's shitting, everybody's sleeping, and everybody's watching TV. Yeah. And that's why I have a, I'm trying to do a bit about that. That's why rich people have to be like magicians because they give you a glass of wine and while you're drinking it, they have to be like, that wine, there's actually only two bottles of that wine because it was made in a lab at 3M because they thought they were making post-it note adhesive, but it turned out to be the most miraculous wine that tastes like blackberries. And you're just like, I don't care. <laughs> just like a magician is like, and you could have picked any card and my pocket was on the jacket over there the whole time. It's like they have to explain why things are incredible. Yeah. Because really what we're fighting is we're all just energy eating energy. Yeah. But then what you said to me that I really loved was that's why creation of any kind feels so good. Because no matter what an energy is yeah. and no matter what an energy is doing, when that energy, that energy was created. Yeah. And then when that energy creates, especially yeah. for no reason, yeah. not to benefit, not to make money, but it just creates, it is mirroring the process that made it. And it's doing something sort of, therefore, bigger than itself and more beautiful. Yeah. And instead, it's like almost reversing the um, trend. Like instead of consuming, it is right. doing the opposite. That's why I was like the only move is to be generous and loving with mm. no reason. Because if a cell has an abundance of energy mm. and it gives some of that energy to another cell, mm-hmm. who cares? Especially yeah. if you can see the motivation. Well, it's going to bond with that cell and they're going to do blah, 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 blah. Like giving completely for no reason mm. is sort of our only shot at escaping the endless cycle of just like hmm. my parents were this and they made this and now I go around and eat and shit yeah. and fart and sleep and then I die. You know, it's like generosity and creativity really do seem like and kindness yeah. for no reason. Yeah. These are like, but- oh my God, these are like even the thought like being honest is valued amongst all human beings. Like the idea that taking what is inside of you and representing it truthfully outside of you that every culture seems to have recognized this as a value is like, especially on an unspecified drug experience enough to make you want to cry that people are like, we agreed Mm. that this is fucking confusing enough that you don't also have to misrepresent your inner reality, which I can't see, which is the last and only remaining privacy. Mm. What are your thoughts? What are your feelings? And when you lie about them, every person, it seems, that's ever existed agrees, hey, man, that's fucked up. Mm. And that's beautiful. And that's what I'm saying. Like, we want to share we want to connect. Yeah. It's important to us to be honest. It's important to us. It's valued and beautiful when we see generosity and kindness. Yep. Mm-hmm. But at the end, I mean, I don't know. We, we lose all of that. It's even hard to talk about it. It doesn't seem that interesting. Um, well, I mean, I think it's very interesting. and But it is interesting that you said, like, giving for no reason. You don't mean, like, altruism or, like, I feel like, because we started talking about this last night, too, where it's like, 
that conversation was never very interesting to me, whether you can give something completely for no reason, meaning you don't get anything out of it. Like, it's totally selfish. Yeah, I've always hated this. Yeah. Not hated it, but when people are like, but you feel even good. Exist? That's how I feel. Yeah. I'm like, who cares? You're giving to somebody, and and I, isn't it more beautiful that you are benefiting you from know? that, oh, and that yeah. we are designed yeah. to help each other? Meaning, if I give you, you know, a loaf of bread, <laughs> what is this, Aladdin? Um, <laughs> if I gotta give make you, a chance. Gotta take a chance. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you more about it when I got out down. Boop. Um, if I give you a loaf of bread, that and that feels good to me because something inside of me is recognizing that we are connected, if not the exact same thing. Right. <laughs> so oh, the people that's that are so like, beautiful. You can't actually be kind because your kindness is a social maneuver to stay in the pack and be fed and protected. Yeah. So it's all bullshit. Is like saying to you and me because we have Leela. Oh, you guys just wanted to have sex. Yeah. Just because we received physical benefits by having sex and procreating yeah. doesn't mean that's why we did. You know right, what I mean? yeah. Or, or worse, you could say you just had the baby so you could feel good and, and reproduce and, and see and your And make genes. more of yourself. Like, or you, think she, you only think she's cute because she is like you. It's like, isn't that beautiful? <laughs> that like... Yeah. We, yeah, that we as people are recognizing ourselves in each other. Yeah. And that we, and that feels good to us. It's mutually beneficial. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, what I mean, yeah, no, I, everything you say, I do know. I just, that, that topic has always been. I guess I just wanted to clarify that you weren't saying generosity for no reason, meaning that bullshit kind of like. I did see in my unspecified drug state, I was like. I was thinking about Buddha because we went to this thing in Malibu where you drive through tunnels of light and stuff. It's like a Christmas thing. And I'll tell you, on an unspecified drag, um, it was it was a lot. <laughs> so, yeah. It felt like being on a drag and I wasn't on one. Yeah. I'm glad we did it. And it was interesting. But there was a moment where, like, you're pulling through... I literally... You went through an ad for Bert Kreischer's new game show. <laughs> that was the trippiest part. And he's on a rotating, he's on a carousel where there's a cutout of Bert Kreischer and then Snoop Dogg. And then there's like a big wheel, like a, like a monster truck parked that's emblazoned with the logo of the show. Are we sure it's his, it's his show? He's the host. I mean, He uh, is? Yeah. Oh, wow. You know why I know that? Because there was a gigantic Christmas gift with screens on every side showing clips of this show. <laughs> and at, look, I understand. Please don't misunderstand me, Bert, if you for some reason heard this. I'm not like finger wagging at him. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying when you're like having a Christmas experience and when you're in this business and you see something that is just so clearly the result of agents with Bluetooth pieces saying synergy mm-hmm. and organic p- product placement mm-hmm. and captive audience and blending the association of Christmas and your show being a fun time like and, and yeah. people bidding for that one slot yeah. of advertising in the middle of this Christmas thing. Yeah. Um, the next part was the manger. <laughs> yeah. After that, it was just like a a very non-flashy, modest, small... It couldn't, yes. It couldn't have been funnier to have 
the rotating, and he had like gold shoes on, and Snoop Dogg is just like, and they're rotating, and then there's a monster truck, and then you take a slight left, and it's like away in a manger, and there's the whitest Jesus. I'm not listening, that's, that's an old issue, but I'm just saying, incredibly white manger scene. I mean, one of the wise men looked maybe Italian. <laughs> And I'm just like, this is not just on an unspecified drag, but this is trippy. Yeah. And it's heady. And then we got stopped, stopped in a little bit of traffic, and there was Buddha. And seeing Buddha on an unspecified drag is very emotional. Mm. Um, and I'm looking at him, you know, serene and golden and sort of meditating. And right next to him was like, Literally, some like new Gwen Stefani girl being like, Christmas, want to get a big, big wish, less, like just like literal black mirror Japanese game show insanity yeah. in a tunnel of lights that was sponsored by an upcoming nitro coffee can. And there's Buddha. And I was yeah, like, It was, it, yeah. But I was like, He's okay with it. Yes. Like that's. I'm bringing my resistance to it. Mm-hmm. Oh. Leave. Uh-oh. Keep Lila oh, away. Yep. Okay, don't, okay, don't okay, play okay. that game. <laughs> Sorry, I think that, that was our nanny. I just want to be clear. I don't think it would be holier or better to... I don't think it's holy or good to walk through this experience holding your nose. Because, frankly, mine was... With all that's going on in the world and all that's always been going on in the world, all the pain and the loss and the deprivation and the sadness and the isolation, Mm -hmm. you can't handle the commercialization of Christmas. Like, so fuck me, really. (laughs) But like, fuck nobody, really. Yeah. It just is what it is. Yeah. And uh, it was a a heavy one. Um, I'm so sorry. This made me think of the fact that I was giving our ticket to the gunkers who would have to leave right now if they want to make it. So, and I haven't sent them the ticket. <laughs> well, that's probably, I was going to tell them not, not, to, not go. to go. Um, okay. Well, I'm just gonna, I just don't go watch Bert's new show anyway. <laughs> yeah. But don't go. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I do feel like I have to send this. Go ahead. Okay. I can talk about stuff. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I, I paused and I'm back. I couldn't do it. And I'm back. I'm, um, I'm deeply sorry for that. So what's going on with you, Mom? I'm sorry I'm sort of <sighs> flaring up over here. No problem. You, ha- I, We didn't get really a chance to fully decompress about your unspecified drug experience. It was so great. I'm glad to hear that. It was great. Um, I'm good. I feel really good today and... It feels good to feel good. It's so funny because I'm I'm really in this place where, you know, I'm coming hot off the presses from having basically these PTSD episodes. That, that makes it sound way more severe than it was, but it was also really hard and scary. And um, That was another thing from my PTSD. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my unspecified was like, I know I already sort of said this. We go through so much trouble to be like, not to be a bother. Yeah. Or not that I'm weak. Yeah. And I, my takeaway was like, Val, your stuff is your stuff. Yeah. 
Thank and you. everything is worthy. Right. And we don't have to be like, yeah. I'm sorry to keep talking about this. It's like, yeah, dude, I'm here too. <laughs> yeah. And for some reason, I can't stop thinking about my dad giving away my Ninja Turtles when I was in eighth grade. Yeah. Because your shit matters to you. Yeah, of It's course. your dream. It's your stuff. And you yeah. had PTSD yeah. triggered from a, a sexual abuse. Yeah. And you say to me constantly, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm still talking about this. Mm. It's a wonder we ever... Don't talk about it. Yeah, thank you for that. That's a good reminder. It's it's important. Oh, I just hit myself in the dick. <laughs> I really did. I'm so sorry that I'm laughing. Oh, the buffalo heart. Oh, she aches. The buffalo. Oh, I hated that. Is we that all your... hated it. Oh, I've never heard that, and I wish I could have gone throughout this one simple life without ever having to. <laughs> You'll forget it. Um, I, uh, yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, my PTSD, uh, yeah, so it's just been a hard month, basically, uh, interlaced with a lot of great moments, but um, I am, I really have learned and had to practice everything that I talk about on this podcast and in my life of just like, can I, like having overwhelming or very intense feelings and being like, can I just sit and be with this? Like, can I, can I just be with this and not let my mind kidnap those feelings uh, but also be compassionate towards my mind because I was getting so frustrated that my mind was just like, oh, my God, is it happening? Are we happening? Are we going to panic again? What's going on? Are we? And it's just like, Shh, shut up. <laughs> but but the practice has been like com- being compassionate, like, oh, you're trying to protect me. It's like, it makes so much sense. It's just trying to organize things for me. And trying to be hyper vigilant and on the lookout because it got scared and it's right. it's my protector or it has been. Um, so just lovingly like returning to my my mind and holding my own head and going, oh thank you, I'm okay, I'm okay. Well, that was another thing from my experience yesterday was how I just saw for the first time how your brain is constantly trying. This is not going to sound as profound as it felt. Mm-hmm. Your brain is constantly trying to determine, do your values and intentions align with mine? Wow. That is like the question we constantly have. Right. Are you with me or are you against me? Basically, like you see an animal. Think of like you see a bug. Ray Romano has this great bit about seeing a bug in the bathroom and his wife wants him to kill it. And he goes... I don't know. Does it have the gift of flight? Like he doesn't know. (laughs) Yeah. That is a joke about what our brains are doing, which is like this person, this situation. Are you aligned with me Mm. or not? Yeah. Yeah. Again, I I knew it wouldn't sound that profound, but lying on this grass over there, I was like, (laughs) wow. Well, that's another way. Yeah. That your mind maybe tries to protect you. Is it's like, is this a friend or foe? That's right. So you're having this over flaring, yeah. Like we we said it's like you are a store and your store was broken into mm. and now you're just like and now I'm just supposed to be comfortable in the store? Yeah. And like what's crazy about that cuz I can kind of see on your face that you're like, well that makes too much sense. It almost makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Is I'm like, oh good. <laughs> there 
if you looked at the time you've been in the store, that period was so negligible compared yeah. to the time you were in the store and everything was okay. Right. But the way we work is we're pattern recognizing machines. Yeah. Something happened that wasn't aligned with our values. Yeah. And then we become obsessive, rightfully, perhaps. Yeah. Your brain has an argument to make, is what I'm saying. Sure. To obsess about it. Right. And that's me now. That's me at the Oprah thing going, will I be able to pee? Because mm-hmm. there's a little boy mm-hmm. from 25 years ago that yeah. couldn't pee when he needed to. Like, what of these things are happening? None of them. But our brains are going, never forget. Yeah, it needs updated software. And your protector thinks that you are still the age that you right. are when that happens. So, Which is, yeah. so, of course, it's going to be hyper vigilant. It thinks that you're a child. It's like going to protect you like a child. That's why I love the work. I got a couple Instagram messages. One was from another embodiment dance teacher that was really, really grateful for your voice Mm. and sort of representing what is, I'm going to say, not addressed in Katie's work, meaning embodiment. Uh Um, And then, oh shit, I forget what I was saying. You got two messages one was that. Oh, and then one was, it doesn't matter. What I was going to say was about the work specifically mm. was what I love about it is you realize you go, I need to pee or I will, what? Yeah. Like, what do you think will happen? Catch your thoughts mm-hmm. basically, or I will start crying and it will go into my stomach. Yeah. I mean, that's the irrational yeah. thing. And and you're un unquestioned uh, thought is this thing is going to come back. Mm-hmm. Is it true? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. How do you feel when you think the thought, this thing is coming back? I feel terrible. Yeah. How do you feel without that thought? I'd feel liberated and great. Mm-hmm. And, and then the turnaround, this thing is not going to come back. That could be true. Yeah. And or I- this thing is coming back every time this thing is going to come back because every because time I'm I think it. about it, I'm bringing it back. Yeah, I don't know if you remember, but that was the that when we were we I think one of the first podcast episodes we were reading the ones that the our work we were reading the worksheet that, yeah. that we were doing, and that was it. I was like, I'm going to fall into uh, deep depression or have a panic attack. That was the one I read. Yeah. And the turnaround was like, I am basically making myself do that. Um, and so I do think that's valuable. I do think it's valuable, but for me, a better way of getting at it is just through compassion. And like, it's cause I can argue that with my brain. And, and I know that, um, that Katie, mentions that you have to kind of like maybe keep refreshing these things. Um, but honestly, just for practicality sake, even like I can't do that questioning. I mean, those thoughts were coming up every 20 minutes. Um, you could say, is that true? I guess. And that I could see that totally being a helpful way of talking to your brain. So it's like, I was in constant communication with my brain and with my body and I could see the work being very helpful when talking to my brain. But what was also helpful and has been helpful is just a, like, I picture my brain like Brody barking at everybody who walks by, being like, 
thank you. You're trying to protect us, but but what's happening is every time you bark, we get scared. <laughs> we get we startle. Yeah. So you're doing the opposite that's of what right. you're trying that's to right. do. That's right. That's um, right. But I can have compassion for you because that's your instinct, and I know that's your instinct. And and thank you for trying to protect us. And um, so it's just been helpful for me to go at it at that angle because then. It's all what you're giving your attention and your energy to. So in that moment, I'm giving my energy to pure fear, and then I'm introducing compassion into it. And it doesn't completely extinguish the fear, but it it's something else to focus on. Yeah. Um, as opposed to more resistance. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that's been very helpful is like reassuring my mind. And then immediately just dropping back down into my body and feeling the felt experience. And what I've found is when I can just feel the anxiety as it is in my body without my mind story, I don't mind the feeling. There's some cases where I'm like, is this anxiety? Because it almost feels kind of good because it's adrenaline. (laughs) Right. Um, But like, it's just the, that's really where you get like the mind kidnaps the feeling which is just trying to move through you yeah anxiety is unrequested excitement and adrenaline (laughs) yeah and like exhilaration is requested excitement and adrenaline yeah yeah what i wanted what i didn't even mean to explain all of that i what made me think of it is that i feel good and then i said it feels good to feel good Because what I'm a little bit worried about is I really, especially as a nine, but I think everybody has this, you know, I have a story of like, I hate feeling bad and I only want to feel good. (laughs) And I'm like, I really do believe that, that so much good comes from suffering and I can see how suffering is grace. And I can see how even out of this experience, Uh, which may not even be over. I mean, I might feel anxious tonight again. Um, But I can see how this experience has made me more resilient and and have more tools for the next time it happens and all of the stuff. But there is just like this very basic, like, simple part of my brain that's like, I don't want to feel bad. And like right now I feel good. Today I feel good. And I'm like, there's like this voice that's like, see, this is better. You were right. You're right to want to feel good. Yeah. That's so interesting. But I also recognize that uh, I'm a whole universe and that's just one of the voices that's whispering. And I can hold that voice and not fully believe it, you know. You know what's funny about my unspecified drug experience was like I was like we are separate, like oh interesting not not in the ultimate sense yeah but I was like it it's it's good to remember that you're playing a game or dancing a dance mm-hmm. but in the meantime you're you're doing it you're doing it yeah it's like when I'm in a dream and I realize I'm dreaming. Uh, usually I wake up, but let's, because it's exciting. But like, if you're in the dream and the dream keeps happening, it's only like, it's only useful to a certain point Mm. to keep being like, but this is just a dream unless it helps your situation. 
Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> That's like how I was thinking about it when I was in this really fearful state where I was like, this, the phrase, uh, there's nothing to fear but fear itself is like, yeah, and fear is terrifying. Right. When you feel like it is happening to you, that you can't stop it, and you know that there is nothing to specifically be afraid of except for that feeling of fear, you're like, that's enough to be afraid of. Right. That's it, it's just reducing what is actual what you're actually afraid of. I, I think. I think I hear what you're saying. I guess I'm just saying like nothing to fear but fear itself. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm terrified fear. of fear. Yeah. No, that's funny. <laughs> that's like saying this is just a dream. Yeah, but it's a dream of me being chased by, you know, a, a monster truck. Yeah. And it's like if you go, this is just a dream. Therefore, I can fly. Mm. That seems like an extreme example. But in this life, if you go, we're all one. This is all just Maya. This is a passing show. This is just a dance. This is just shadows on the wall in a cave. Mm -hmm. That's useful if it helps you go, I can fly. And the equivalent of I can fly is I can find my center. Yeah. You can ask yourself beautiful questions. Like when I, I always go back to when I was driving Lee to LA from Ojai mm. and it was just, I was just me and her and you just go like, wait, why does she have to be in LA? Like, like, why are you resisting what is that's uh, flying? Uh, does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Accepting what is, is, is the, this dream's equivalent of flying fly. Yeah. But also realizing it's a dream is going like, it's all one, it's just a play, helps you go like, it's, it's, there's this great Brian Regan bit about weightlifters, powerlifters, and they're picking up huge, huge weights and they're throwing them over like 50 foot brick walls. Mm. And he's like, they're going, and like veins are popping in their neck. And he's like, I'm watching at home eating ice cream, like, pretty sure they don't have to be over there. <laughs> That's a type of enlightenment. Yeah. Is realizing you're a power lifter. Some referee said, get these weights on the other side of the wall and we'll grade you. Yeah. But like realizing you're Brian eating ice cream, watching it going like they don't have to be over there. Yeah. That's me going, wait, I don't have any problem. Yeah. I'm stuck in a thing where I have a crying baby and there's traffic and we might she might pee herself or whatever. Again, what if these things are happening? What if they do happen? Yeah. What's the problem? And I don't even mean like I'm not dying. I mean like really everything is okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think Except your story, which is you throwing the weights over the wall. That's just it. Just being like, they don't have to be over there. That's why we have the deathbed, you know, fantasy. I've heard many stories, people on their deathbeds just having that intense, visceral, in their bones experience. The weights don't have to be on the other side of the wall. Yeah. So when they see their, their whatever's visit them and they're like, I got to go. I got a four o'clock. Like, pretty sure the weights don't have to be on the other side of the wall. Yeah. Like... You are playing the stress game. Yes, absolutely. And you're fully buying. And you don't even know. Yeah, you are you're playing Monopoly and you think that you own those buildings. Yeah, you think <laughs> you're going to live in that tiny little red house? Yeah. yeah. You're you're so much more. Yeah. So the degree to which waking up helps you 
in your separate experience, that is, I don't mean to sound so mathematical, but that's the degree to which an epiphany of oneness is sort of not only useful to you, but useful to anyone. Yeah. Because that's, that's the movie we're watching. Yeah. is like, I know your awareness is my awareness, but like, yeah, for right now, mine's over here and yours is over there. So Valerie, I'm so sorry you're having this stress. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry you're dealing with it. Thank and like to snuggle you on the couch and to talk to you right now, mm-hmm. that's a better dream. Mm-hmm. And if my compassion, as you said, something better to focus on mm-hmm. than my anxiety, like, hey, we'll take good stuff however we can get it. That's true. That's it. Yeah. And I I will tell you, like, now that I have some space from it and when I'm in a, a more centered place, remembering, like, this is a dream or, uh, you know, remembering the oneness and all of those, like, universal truths is helpful. But when I'm having a trauma response and my body thinks that we are in the gravest danger especially if it is like i don't know if i exist to bring in like ethereal concepts like you don't (laughs) or um or this is all a dream that's like yeah uh it's not helpful so just to your point it is like yeah in that moment i need to buy into the separateness and be like valerie is this body And this body needs nurturing and this body needs very tangible responses. It needs a comfy couch and a weighted blanket and, and just nurture this body. Uh, that, that is mostly what I've learned with like the, we talk often about the relative and absolute truth and how they need each other. They work together. Right. And so, yeah, I just really am like, oh, never say to somebody going through trauma, um, this is all a dream or <laughs> right. Know, this is tell me when I'm going through trauma. Yeah. I mean, maybe, I don't know. I was going to, were you good? Yeah. I was, I got a question that I sort of liked. Actually, I didn't like it. it I found it. I, I wouldn't say I liked it. I found it sort of troubling, not troubling. I found it worthy of an answer. Okay. I'm not, not troubling. <laughs> troubling uh, is not the right impulse um let me find it here did you just text me uh i'm texting on a thread that you're on (laughs) this is like when i'm on a pitch and my manager's on the pitch and during the pitch i see he replied to an email okay here's the question i found um now i'm getting texts from this chain sorry boy i just got like inappropriately overwhelmed, mm. <laughs> I guess disproportionately overwhelmed. Yeah, I don't. I don't know this person's real name, but um, sometimes when I'm doing the work of Byron Katie on a belief, it doesn't seem to work. Uh, more mm. texts. Yesterday, I was using the method on the belief I'm unlovable and couldn't really get the turnaround to work because I couldn't think of evidence to support it. I know that's, I guess it is troubling. Mm -hmm. I read this and I was like, I don't know who you are, Mm -hmm. um, but it seems like you need to hear like 
that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> You're fundamentally lovable. Absolutely. You're as lovable as anybody. He Who's said, more lovable they than say, you? They say, have you ever gotten stuck on a belief like that? I just want to say, like, let's talk a little bit about that. I am unlovable. Okay, so really, sometimes it's so helpful to take that belief on a little bit of a walk. Mm -hmm. I am unlovable. Okay, so love, people loving you, is an opinion, is a feeling that others have. Mm -hmm. So when you say, I am unlovable, and you can't, un you can't crack that nut, well, let's, let's look at what your brain is doing a little bit more clearly. Mm -hmm. The real unquestioned belief of I am unlovable, or the, the belief that the belief I am unlovable is resting on, hoping that you don't notice that the first belief is even more ludicrous, mm -hmm. is I know the inner feelings and secret thoughts of everyone who knows me. Mm -hmm. I am the king interpreter of who does and does not love me. Mm -hmm. I am the authority. Mm -hmm. And I know clearly mm -hmm. and without ambiguity who does and who does not love me. Mm -hmm. Can you do the turnaround on that? I mean, I'm not making fun of you. I'm just saying, like, this is mm -hmm. what we... We need to sort of be rough with our brains. Mm -hmm. I know who loves and who doesn't love me. Mm -hmm. I know how people feel mm -hmm. about me. Mm -hmm. uh, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, any any person getting their hair pulled on a, on a playground, I know that's an old example. Please don't pull people's hair. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, like, you don't know. Your parents, who maybe think it's wrong that you're gay, might be emailing you links to fucked up Christian science websites that are saying it's it's a it's a perversion and a sickness that could be them loving you yeah. in their own fucked up and limited way yeah. even though to you it feels like the exact opposite yeah. so that's that's one way at it is like really ask yourself what are the fundamental assumptions of the belief that you can't crack mm -hmm. but also get creative with um, if you can't think of somebody that loves you I am unlovable. Okay. For me, you you would think of people that have demonstrated love to you. Mm -hmm. um, to me, you can, if you really strike out there, mm -hmm. you can ask yourself, were there, have there been times when you loved yourself? Mm -hmm. And are you someone? <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. does that count? Yeah. It's including like feeding yourself or taking yourself for a hike or like it could be small examples that don't necessarily seem like a self-love, but you've been caring for yourself. You've been keeping yourself alive. You can start there. Absolutely. And also oftentimes people who feel whose core negative belief is I am unlovable or I am unworthy of love, which is a very common core negative belief, by the way. Absolutely. Um, You're not alone in that at all. We all have days. Yeah. All the time where you're just like, I am unlovable. Mm -hmm. It comes out in different ways. Yeah. But like your inability to think of examples of your own lovability does not mean other people, whether or not they share it with you, yeah. are also incapable of seeing something lovable in you. Yeah. Like you are not the un, uh, the, the objective final answer on whether you're 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 not the authority yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> and oftentimes like there's a though, funny way to say that i don't know oftentimes um people who have that core negative belief i feel uh think that oh well the people who love me 
uh, it's because they don't really know me or it's because like your mind can think of a million reasons why, even if you think of somebody who loves you, um, like you can make excuses. Well, they don't really know me or that's just because they're a really great person or I don't think that they, um, you know, would, would love me if they knew X, Y, and Z. Or you just, it might not be that this person can't think of anybody who loves them. It might be more like they just don't understand why someone would love them. Does that make sense? Like they mm-hmm. think that they're, so I think that, um, this one might be like you split the atom of I am unlovable and get down to the root of the things that you are telling yourself are unlovable. That's right. It's unlovable. Yeah. It might be too broad of a statement. Yeah. I am unlovable because I am selfish or whatever. Is Can that you true? think of, Can you, so yeah. now we're doing the turnaround. I am lovable because I am generous. Can you think of a time you were generous? Yeah. I'm, I bet you can. Yeah. And I don't think I'm worthy of love. And I'm saying this to show them that they are worthy of love and that they, I, th- I think deep down know that they are somewhere, mm-hmm. but I'm going to email the host of this podcast mm. and ask for help. Yeah. Well, why do you deserve help? Because yeah. you're lovable. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> because and, I think you know. <laughs> and you're lovable. I'm not saying, by the way, so you're lying. I'm saying I know that you feel that. But look at the subtle counter evidence yeah. of even just Instagram messaging someone, hey, have you ever felt unlovable and couldn't find reasons for being lovable? Oh. And I'm saying, yes. And I'm, I'm just, I'm trying to gently offer that the, the, the small act of asking for help was because I pray and I hope that you can get in touch with there's a part of you deep down that – let's not talk about likes everything about you. I'm talking about love. I'm talking about irrational, the way that the universe holds you together, mm. whether or not you're an asshole or a saint. Mm. You are being supported by the gravity of this planet. Your heart is beating it doesn't check to see if you're worthy of it. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about that good stuff. I'm talking about that God's gaze love. Yeah. Which is your gaze. Yeah. (laughs) And something inside of you, I would argue, knows that the belief I'm unlovable is not true already. Otherwise, it wouldn't have known that that is the statement to plug into the work to debunk and even when you couldn't necessarily get believe the turnaround um that part of you that advocate inside that knows that this isn't true is like hey why don't you reach out and see (laughs) if you can get more information because this really doesn't seem true that i am unlovable and that was also an incredible act of self-love there is an advocate in you saying Hey, this guy doesn't, this person doesn't feel lovable. That can't be right, right? <laughs> right. And that's, that's a wise, that's your wise healer. That's your true self. That's your true self. Yeah. So your false self, the collection of memories and experiences and thoughts and analysis in this low moment can't find a reason to love basically itself. Yeah. So this like sort of, mosaic 
of stuff, of brain stuff, looks in the mirror and goes, well, this sucks. Mm -hmm. That's not you. Yeah. Who you are is the thing impartially watching all of this drama unfold. Yeah. And that isn't just lovable. That is love. Yeah. I really, I want to play... This has been the most paused episode we've ever had. (laughs) You made it paused. (laughs) Okay. This is um, Bird Talker. Yeah. Oh, I know what you're going to play. This one? Yeah. I just listened to this episode, but there's also... This um, episode? I mean, this... this, Oh, my God. I'm watching too much TV. Uh, I just listened to this this song. No, I love this song, but I'm trying to think of if it's the one that's like, we're all... Like the lonely one. Anyway, this one will be great. The that's the that song's called One. Oh, okay. But this guy's literally looking for love, so I'm going to play the yeah looking for love song because there's a line in it where it says, um, "Is love hiding inside of us? Something, something, something." Sorry, our nanny came out again, um, and we're trying. We're hiding from our baby. <laughs> Okay, so we're just going to play a little bit of this song. Uh, It's Bird Talker. It's called Looking for Love. I think it answers this question pretty well. So he says, is love somewhere hiding inside of us, or is love the air we breathe? Mm. I I just thought, uh, you'll hear it. Beautiful. That's such a great song. Didn't somebody recommend this band to you? Yeah, on, on Instagram, somebody messaged me and was like, you should check out this band. It's, and it's why I can't fully swear off Instagram. I, it's really benefited me. I hope this person is listening because it like... This band? No, the person who recommended this band to you. But that person because they recommended this band? Oh, yeah. This band... I, I, has you've been listening to them longer than I have, but I just started in the last few days, and their song "Be Where You Are." I've been listening to it every day, and it's just so. I put it on repeat in the morning when yeah, I'm with Lou. So it's, so it's like more important even than like, wow, I really love this band. It's like, yeah, it's like seems like divine that the messages are exactly what I need to hear. Well, I heard their Richard Rohr heads. Mm-hmm. I, I want to read uh, the opening two uh, lines, mm. two stanzas, I don't know, two verse, I don't know, of, <laughs> uh, of the song. My brother can't see me even when I look in his eye. My friend, she don't hear me when she thinks she's right. Which I'm like, that's, I spent oh. so much of my life being like a person that if you brought up certain subjects, I'd just like put up the huge wall. Being like, okay, I can't wait for you to be done talking so I can tell you what someone else told me (laughs) that I was young enough to accept as ultimate truth. And then I'll just kind of squash you with it. (sighs) But she says she loves me. And oh, she loves French fries. I think that line is so funny. Uh, Aren't we all so safe now inside each other's hearts? I'm like, 
that I just love how people overuse the word love and they're like, but I love you. It's like, I'll make this point every time I think to Richie, Richard Rohr makes this beautiful point where he's like, everybody goes around claiming to love Jesus or loving God. Mm -hmm. And he's like, try with something smaller. Like you're jumping right to the ultimate unknown and being like, I love it. Can you accept the rain? Can you accept a traffic jam? Yeah. Can you accept accept sunlight going through like an old window? Yeah. Can you, but like you just jump. I love God and I love French fries mm. and I love you. Like, oh God, because this guy writing me, let's not forget that love isn't just a feeling or an opinion That's or a diagnosis or the summation of watching your behavior and being like, you're right. You are worthy of love. Yeah. You don't have to earn God's love or infinite love or the love of the universe, however you want to phrase that. You are made of it. Yeah. It's what you are. Yeah. And you've put up this veil, your past, your projected future, where you're only going to be worse than you've been. Mm. And that is literally like reeds in your lake. Mm. And you can't see or feel the clear water. You need to pull that shit out. Or to use Alan Watts's uh, other lake thing, is there's too much sediment kicked up because there's too much activity. The brain is constantly replaying past failures, mm. replaying mm-hmm. past embarrassments, effortlessly churning back more and more evidence that you are a piece of shit mm. and it won't stop. And the only key to get the sediment out of the lake is to get the lake to be still yeah. and the sediment falls to the bottom yeah. and you can see the clear water that you actually are, Yeah. regardless of, of those things that that happened back in the dream we call then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a couple of things about that. Eckhart Tolle says that love is recognizing yourself in another, that mm. that's what true love is, meaning the divine animating force that is in me is in you, and yeah. I know you, and you're the same. So you have that divine, divine animating force. That is one with everything. What's not lovable about that? Right. Also... Um, the stillness thing, it does, uh, Katie is always very specific that like, this is a meditation. So you, so really I would meditate beforehand, like 10 minutes at least get your mind quiet and then ask the questions and just listen, like wait for the answers to come up. Um, what is a meditation? Doing the work. Oh, Right. Like, it's not just thinking the answers because your mind will just find a way to plug in its own story. This isn't really coming from your mind. This is coming from a much deeper place. Your answers are coming from, like, your body, basically. Right. Um, And then the other thing was, oh, I know that this seems like cheesy and woo-woo, but both of us have recently rediscovered the power of affirmations. And in, especially in a case where you've been telling yourself the same story over and over and over there, I I can't remember what they're, they are, but we saw this hypnotherapist a few times. Who's great, Cynthia Morgan. Um, and she said there are five ways that things get stuck in your, or get into your subconscious. And one of them is repetition. So if you have been telling yourself for however many years, I'm unlovable, I'm unlovable, I'm unlovable, you've got to kind of counteract that with 
repeating the opposite. That's right. So it's not even really about believing it right away. You won't believe it right away, but you are you are repeating it until there's a little bit. It's like cracking a egg. It's every day and every way. I'm getting more and more lovable. Yes. Yeah. Over and over and over and over while you're walking. Yeah. Or saying, I am lovable. I am lovable. I am loved. People love me. There are people love me for good reason. People yeah. love me because and of I who love I am. Me. I, the other exercise that came to mind is looking in the mirror. And I know that sounds embarrassing. Maybe I don't, I, what's it say about me that I don't have a problem doing it. Mm-hmm. You look in your own eyes mm-hmm. and you give yourself that love. You say, I love you, Peter. Yeah. Yeah. Only my parents call me Peter. So you just talk to mm-hmm. yourself like a little kid. I love you, Peter. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of you yeah. for reaching out and asking for help. Mm-hmm. I'm proud of you for every day getting up and, yeah. and feeding us yeah. and caring for us mm-hmm. and brushing your teeth mm-hmm. and trying. Yeah. I love you for that effort to be better. Yeah. And and you say it to yourself, and and it's fucking nuts it's how these things work. So I I've been having writer's block, mm-hmm. and my friend uh, who's a very talented painter, Jeremy Hoffield, posted his morning meditation routine, and it involves some pranayama, which is a, which is breathing techniques. Um, you can look up pranayama on YouTube if that's interesting to you. And then he said, and he said what you said. He was like, it's gotten a bad rap. In the past couple years, and I know what he's talking about, it's become sort of like Stuart Smalley, like, I'm good enough, I'm people like me. Yeah. But like, that was a Stuart voice, not a stereotype voice. (laughs) I was doing an impression. Um, He does morning pages. And even though Tim Ferriss this week and I talked about morning pages and I had been doing them that week, it doesn't grab me because I don't have a problem getting in touch with my stream of consciousness. Mm-hmm. I understand like wetting your whistle and, and getting your fingers moving and, mm-hmm. and taking a brain dump of getting some of your anxiety out of the way or whatever. Um, what I like is what Jeremy taught me, which is you do a page or if it's longhand, three pages, three small pages of um, affirmations. And you start with, so it is just free associating, but it's free associating in a certain parameter. Mm. And you start with, imagine the, the charge going through you. If you start with a phrase like this, I am a channel for divine creativity. Mm-hmm. And you start with that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm proud to share what I write. I go like, ideas come to me quickly and effortlessly. I inspire people with, I share what inspires me. I am joyful. I am light. My brain is clear and easy to access for me. It is bright and spacious inside of me. Mm -hmm. And if I ever hit a a wall, I just write it again. I am a channel for divine creativity. I am divine creativity. In creating, I mirror the creator. Mm -hmm. Just the most, if you want to say that's outlandish, but like no embarrassment. I just, I close it without saving it when I'm done. It's just for me. Yeah. And it totally got rid of my writer's block. Can I? I love that it worked. I I have mine right here. <laughs> do it, do it. You don't have to read yours on a podcast. Anybody who doesn't want to do this, but I think it's it's helpful and it's beautiful. I I love that it worked. By the way, I didn't mean to step on. I commented line. on his page. I was like, this got me out of a couple months of just feeling like. 
it should be joyful. Creating should be joyful. Yeah. It should be like Leela on, on the bed with her toys, but yeah. it starts feeling like something I have to do mm-hmm. until I remember it's not about getting paid and then eating some meal. Yeah. It's about becoming like the creator. It's about collaborating with the creator, with the life as, force. As if inspiration was anything we even fucking understood. <laughs> yeah. As if right. your imagination was anything we even fucking understood. Yeah. So it's as nonsensical as standing up in a mall and just screaming, I love everybody. Mm-hmm. But you can do it privately at your computer. You can just delve into the mystery of creation, yeah. which we are. We have been created Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying there was an old man with a beard molding us out of clay, but here we are. We are the result of a process unfolding, yeah. some of which we understand, some of which we don't. Mm-hmm. And when I, so you don't even have to lie to yourself. It's true. Mm-hmm. Creating something is what happened to me and I'm paying it. I'm sharing that for doing forward. it. Yeah. 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 I love what it. are yours by my love. Okay. These are mine. Um, I am healing. I am getting better every day. I am able to let go of past experiences. I am able to let go of worries about the future. I trust myself to know the way through this. With each breath, I begin again. I feel great. (laughs) Mm. I am better for having gone through the darkness. I can be with whatever arises and know it's not me. I am spacious enough to hold it all. My mind can rest and trust. My mind knows when to help and when to rest. My mind trusts the body. I have good relationship with my mind and body. Uh, I am so grateful for difficult times. I am strong. I mean, I can keep... There's a lot. I just realized, but... um, I don't think anybody was wishing there were less of those things. That was great. (laughs) Yeah, I cannot lose myself was one of them. I cannot lose myself. Right? I mean, I I love puffing up all of this language. Like, it is impossible for me to lose myself. I was, I like laughed when I wrote that one. I'm like, you're so afraid you're going to lose yourself. Yeah. You can't lose yourself. In the music, in the moment. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Uh, And then you can always go back to these three statements, which are um, the three things that, that we need to believe when we're born, I mean, when we're babies, which is, I exist, I am loved, my needs are important. Those alone are great affirmations. That's right. Um, I, so this person, this was a, a great question. Yeah. Because I think we all have to deal with the question of unlovability. And I know we approached it from two areas. We started sort of from the psychological, don't be absurd, you are worthy of interpersonal love. Yeah. And then we sort of went at it from a higher altitude, altitude and said, you are love. Yeah. That's what you are. Yeah. Don't worry. That's the relative and absolute. So we, we went from two altitudes, just in case it sounded a little contradictory. Yeah. But going back to the, like, I know we're all one, but like, whose parking ticket is this? Mm-hmm. Doing those pages in the morning and saying, I am a lovable, fuckable human being, as Andy Richter said on this show, <laughs> or... I'm loved by people in amounts that I don't even, I'm not even aware of. Yeah. Or there's more love coming my way that I couldn't even dream of. Yeah. You know, these things make a difference. Yeah. And saying, 
here the phrase I would use instead of I am a channel for divine creativity is I am a reflection of perfect infinite love. Mm. I have the potential of infinite perfect love. Yeah. I am a channel for infinite perfect love. Yeah. I give and radiate infinite perfect love. Yeah. And I really feel like that and I love my life is a really good affirmation. Mm-hmm. And you can tap it on your fingers as you're walking in four four time. I love my life. I love my life. Every day in every way I'm getting more and more lovable. Every day in every way I'm getting better and better. Every day in every way I'm getting sharper and sharper, better and better, kinder and kinder, more and more compassionate, more and more kind, more and more creative, more and more flowing, more and more generous, more and more beautiful. Mm-hmm. Shit, man. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to go back and look at yourself like a car and <laughs> be like, it's yeah. a little low on love, yeah, self-love. Sure. Or a, a baby being like, you, you, this baby yet doesn't know yet that it's, it's lovable. I'm going to speak to it in the only language this baby understands, which is nurturing love. Mm. Um, I, I would recommend for this person, what a great question that we so much came out of it. I would recommend two things Um, in regards to the affirmations, maybe doing the work, but, but breaking it down. So, so sitting with the reasons you think you are unlovable or what specifically you think is unlovable about you and doing the work for each one of those things and then doing the work for the, I am unlovable. And then whatever those turnarounds are, those are your affirmations. Yeah, that's and good. You, and you say those affirmations to yourself at least once a day. But I, yes. And I really want to get this part out before I forget. The other, putting that aside, so that's your assignment. Um, <laughs> but the other thing I wanted to say is if you can't access love for yourself right away, that makes so much sense. Uh, once again, you're undoing a very core negative belief here. And it's just going to take some time. So just to speak to the part of you that might think that you, that means that it's actually true that you're not lovable because you can't think of these examples. Um, it's it's not true. You're just uh, undoing a, a lifetime of believing that. Um, so if you can't access love for yourself right away, see if you can access compassion for the part of you that believes that you're unlovable. It's really nice. And you can put your hand on your heart and say, oh, oh, you think you're unlovable. That's That must be so hard. That must not feel That's right. good. Don't try to pray the pray it away. Pray the gay away. Yes. I don't, I don't mean that literally. I just mean like it's as absurd as trying to pray the gay away. Yeah, don't resist it. Let, let it tell you what it's going to tell you. Let it sing its song of unlovability. Yeah, invite it in for tea. Invite it in for tea and then give it compassion the way that you would give a friend. Yeah, give the feeling I am unlovable the love that it feels it doesn't deserve. Yeah. In the Lazy Man's Guide to Enlightenment, he talks about having bad LSD trips and seeing some horrible bass-faced clown with knife hands and he was having a bad trip and he said what did you think it was that needed love like you thought it was pretty things wow you thought it was nice things 
Dude, everybody loves beautiful people mm-hmm. handing out money, <laughs> playing gorgeous music. Yeah. Like, it's the bass-faced clown with the knife hands mm-hmm. that you say, Hey, you. I see you. Yeah. You're doing a good job being you. Yeah. That's who needs it. Yeah. And also, if you, ha- if you go, what is it about me that's unlovable? Mm-hmm. Let's say you go, and I don't have a job. I don't have a job. Mm-hmm. Who told you you needed to have a job? Who told you yeah. that you need to make money and be a consumer? Mm-hmm. And that's a functioning... I, Richie was just talking about this on some of the tapes. They're you know called tapes, but it's on my phone. <laughs> Richard Rohr was talking about how on Oprah they had um, an episode about freeloaders. And he was like, you can see how the, the true religion of the West is consumerism because the vitriol that this audience had for these people that live with their mothers and fathers or live with their aunts in the basement and they live on very little and that's how they're able to do it. He was like, you wouldn't see that level of ire for a sex predator. Wow. Like the, the questions, the condescension, the full-out attacks. So it's like, wow. I am unlovable. Even if you're, it's something as basic as like, I should have a job because I should be buying a new stove to keep the American economy going. Who gave you these beliefs? Yeah. Who told you that being a low-carbon footprint person, whatever it might be, and I don't mean carbon, I mean like you're not even a workforce person, whatever it is. Yeah. Was it your father that told you if you don't produce, you're not a man? Mm -hmm. If you're not winning, you're not a man, you're not an American? Like, try really hard to see where you inherited the the beliefs that make you feel ugly. Yeah. Were they yours? Or did you get them? Did they show up in installments? Right. You need to be like this. Yeah. Says who? Right. Is there a scenario where you can see yourself being of value? Maybe the Western modern world isn't the perfect time for your specific personality. Yeah. Maybe you're going to need to do a little bit of of, uh, trial and error, Mm. looking for the right community, looking for the right people, looking for the right situation, looking for the right town, looking for the right state, Mm. looking for the right sky, the right climate. It might just take a little while. Yeah. I, I have family members that I see struggling because they're trying to, in, from what I can see, sometimes they're trying to put a, a square peg in a round hole. Mm. I'm just like, what's wrong with your round peg? Yeah. I yeah. think you're, you're doing that because we inherited <laughs> a mythology of you should be basically rich and famous. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, I definitely went through that with um, valuing my strengths, which are just so like... (laughs) Yeah, you did that. Yeah, just so not the Western... uh, And I couldn't love you more. Yeah, thank you. I'm not... But like that's... When you came in and you were like... I'm sorry, I just interrupted you. (laughs) That's okay. I just got really excited. Well, you interrupted me to tell me that you couldn't love me more, so that's not too bad. (laughs) But finish what you're saying. Just in general, like the things that I am interested in are very feminine, very emotional, uh, all about the body, all about, um, uh, about like flow and things that are invisible. The strengths that I offer to people are invisible. 
That's right. There's not they a don't, product. They don't trade on the NASDAQ. Yeah. There's no... Uh, Christmas sale for what you're doing. That's why I had to, to explain you to other people, my parents, you have to say things like Val is an emotional genius. Mm -hmm. Here, let me put it in a way you can understand. Right. She's an entrepreneur (laughs) of love and connection and flow. (laughs) And I know it's really hard to sell that, Mm. but I'll say as somebody who on my unspecified drug experience was having a hard time with the idea, I know I've said this before, that like with stand-up, for example, I like doing stand-up and I withhold that mm-hmm. like a doctor at a party that won't look at your mole because you didn't make an appointment. Yeah. I withhold that yeah. until you give me money because you will. Yeah. So show business and my team go, I know you like doing that, but if you do it here at this time, they'll give you all this money. And I go, Okay, like I, 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 it makes me feel, I don't know why, how we got here. I don't know how we got here. I know I sound like a real hippie right now, but this guy plays the guitar. Stop playing the guitar, Joseph. Do it on Thursday. And this guy will clean teeth until he has enough extra cash to come and watch you do the thing that you like to do. And I can hear the other voice because Joseph needs a house Mm -hmm. and he needs food and and instead of cleaning teeth or whatever it might be he's practicing his songs yeah i get it i get it yeah but i can still go like how did we get to a place where we're not just constantly and filterlessly sharing everything we have yeah in full trust that the ranch hose i hit you with will be returned to me even more so so we'll just all be fed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That was beautiful. <laughs> I'm a little foggy, but in a great way. I don't think you're foggy. I'm like, wow, you're, it seems, if you told me like, I'm kind of manic right now, I would believe it. <laughs> I know I sound manic. Hmm. I don't feel manic. Well, I feel um, sort of like, who cares? <laughs> I will say I, that was a big thing I wanted to say was like at a certain point, Richie Rohr talks about your reservoir being mm-hmm. like a metaphor. One of the mantras that I use most frequently is Lord have mercy, mm-hmm. meaning could something bigger than me help me clean out the water that I am so entrenched in, I don't even recognize it as possibly I don't even see the possibility of that water being something else. Wow. I want living water. I was just reading the story of, of the woman at the well. Don't ask me why. <laughs> and Jesus says, like, you can replace, instead of going and, and drinking water, what I can give you is an internal spring mm. of water. Mm-hmm. And I was like, shit. Yeah. When you've had some experience... And when you've had some God experience, yeah, you know what that means. It's like, there's another great bird talker line. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of taking. The more I take, the more I need. Ugh. And I'm just like, ah. Ugh, that's it. That's the whole that's thing. That's the whole thing. I'm tired of taking. The yeah. more I take, the more I need. Yeah. And there's Jesus 2,000 years ago. 
I could throw in some words like supposedly if it pleases us. But like, who cares? There it is. Mm. I could give you a spring of living water, meaning new water, meaning not just the same lens, making the same judgments and assumptions about everything. So nothing new can happen. Richie says, if you change the lens you see the world with, if you change out the water, if it's a spring, even something old that you already knew Mm -hmm. can be new. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, even something new can't get through. A new idea can't get through. It's all about repenting and changing, which is what repent means, changing Mm -hmm. the way you see and getting some of that flow going. That's why Lord have mercy is a great prayer for me. Mm. Can something get this moving? Mm. Because if I have my way, I'll just, I'm just going to keep doing this. Yeah. I'll just keep doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I think a real, cause I was just, that's so beautiful and so true. And I, I am, I think it is, it is like grace when it comes, but I also was like, is there something practical? I mean, there's a lot of things, but like, something practical we can offer in this moment to help get the new perspective or the flow. And for me, this has just been so important. It's like even using the imagery of like, I, if I want flow, I got to open. So like, can I just open to this moment exactly as it is? Mm. And that will get you a new perspective because You're not doing that now. None of us are, (laughs) you know, Mm. we're constantly resisting the moment in some way. And that's where, where the needing more and more comes from is you're resisting what you have right now. You're resisting it, fully accepting what you have right now. And you are wanting more. You're wanting to change the moment. Yeah. That, that's what I wanted to talk about. You just reminded me. Oh, was when I was, it's always when I'm rocking Lee because that's when I'm in the dark Mm. for an hour alone, Mm. awake, thinking, Mm. and not even trying to sleep, Mm. just kind of being with Leela. And it really was that feeling of like, what are you going to do? I know we've made this point before, but I'll make it a million. What's wrong? Yeah. So we mentioned that Eckhart Tolle is like, how many more sunsets do you need to see? Mm-hmm. Like how many more? So I'm sitting there and I'm like, I hope she falls asleep. Why? I'm going to eat and I'm going to watch West Wing. That's what you did last night. <laughs> Where is that? Yeah. Where is that? Show me that. Mm-hmm. It's gone. It's like lighting a Kleenex on fire it's gone. Yeah. And here I am robbing myself of this moment by wanting a moment I've already had that I have experiential present experience that even when you have it, when it's over, it's gone. Yeah. So what does this say? What's happening is the only thing that's happening. Yeah. And what does that say? The circumstance of your life isn't the point of your life. What does that say? There's a bigger game. The circumstances of your life are here to bumper and nudge you into a breakthrough of a realization that you're always home. It doesn't matter what what show is on the screen. You're the light shining through the projector. 
And when you realize that, traffic is funny. You're never lonely again. You're never bored again. This is what Richie... That's the spring. You're never... That's the fucking spring. Yeah. You go... This can't, no one can give this to me. Yep. No one can give this to me. Yeah. And Jesus says I'm offering it to you, but really he's just going like, hey, hey. I'm pointing it out in you. Like it already was in you. Another way to say it would be, I, I can't give you anything. I used to hear those stories of Zen monks that would hold out their fist and say like, in here is, is what you're looking for. And they'd withhold what was in their fist for seven years of meditation and study. Then they'd open it and it's nothing. Uh, I used to hate stories like that. Now I'm like, right on. Yeah. What could it be? Indoors, outdoors, hard, soft, dark, light, <laughs> soft, rough, <laughs> sweet, sour. Yeah. In, out, up, down. Look at video game design. There's cloud levels. There's underwater levels. Even if we bring VR, there's overwhelming floods of light and color and flying and moving fast, moving slow. It's like, that can't be it. Yeah. <laughs> What's it is the thing that's noticing it. That is the only remaining privacy, the only remaining mystery, mm-hmm. and it's the point. And then you go, fuck, I don't have to be eating and watching West Wing. Mm-hmm. Being here with the baby is it. Talking to you right now is it? Yeah. Being in the car, noticing that my body is tensing up every time you hit the brakes is it? Mm-hmm. What is the point in resisting it? Yeah. I'm tired of taking. The more I take, the more I need. Yeah. It's perfect. That was really good. High five. <laughs> Get real. Um, I think we should end. <laughs> oh my god, you're fun. I just don't think we're gonna top that. Um, how are you going to top it? How are you going to top my it? First, my first wed- marriage, my friend John got married uh, around the same time. Fonz, we call him Fonz. And his mother, <laughs> I'll never forget it, showed me a photo of him and his wife. They're still married, actually, uh, which is wonderful. Showed me a, a photo of him and his wife kissing a dolphin. Huh. And she just goes, oh, Peter. John took a... Kissing dolphins, how you gonna top it? <laughs> so good. How you gonna top I it? I love this woman. I was like, how? Oh, and we have to tell her other hard laughs. So I read oh. that M. Night Shyamalan book. Yeah. I'm on an unspecified drug. We're driving to Malibu oh. and we pass the Disney studio, which is a big part of this M. Night Shyamalan book, which is called The Man Who Heard Voices, which I read in a week and I couldn't recommend it more. He's it's, been like, he's read it. He hasn't read a book in a week in a very long time. Sir, no. And you uh, have been talking about M. Night a lot. Constantly. Yeah. And here I am in sort of like a sweet, vulnerable, childlike state yeah. of an unspecified drug. I'm looking out the window. I'm panicking at cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, not panicking, but certainly aware of the space travel that is highway <laughs> navigation. Yeah. And I see the Disney studio. We're driving through Burbank. Mm-hmm. And I see the Disney studio and I go, Disney, that's where they made Lady in the Water. <laughs> and that was like, apart from a few sweet uh, autistic children, no one has ever gone to Disney studio. That's where they made Lady in the Water. 
And by the way, it's not. It's where they passed on Lady in the Water. Spoiler. Oh, it was so genuine. It was so excited. And it like took me by complete surprise. I I laughed so hard. We laughed so hard. I had to squeeze Leela's foot behind me and tell her, sorry, I laughed so hard. Everything's okay. (laughs) She wasn't crying or anything, but it was so, we were laughing. My most honest laugh. Because when you laughed at me... I realized how I must have sounded. Yeah. And that's a speci- that's a special kind of catharsis. Yeah. When you realize, wait, I was being completely authentic. Yeah. That's where M. Night Shyamalan had the meeting with Nina, and she said, I don't get the script. <laughs> and you laughed in a way that just, I felt so seen. Oh. Really was good. It was like as... Th- even as the laughter was happening, I was like imagining it shaking down like that really good energy, like shaking down into my body and like healing all yeah. of the, it was just was like, it was truly healing laughter. It was I so agree. good. Should we end with a poem? I don't really have one. Do you want to read from? from well, there's a poem. This? There's a poem in just this. Oh, great. And I'm going to concede that I don't understand the first, again, I have to say stanza. This first stanza, I don't understand, so I might be getting it wrong. Don't understand My God. (laughs) (laughs) So I might be reading it wrong, with the wrong emphasis. But the second one, I know better. This is Gerard Manley Hopkins. The poem is called, As Kingfishers Catch Fire. Imagine the audacity of sitting down to write a poem called As Kingfishers Catch Fire. <laughs> we salute you. <laughs> Each mortal does one thing and the same. Deals out that being indoors each one dwells. Selves. Goes itself. Myself it speaks and spells. I can see you reading over my shoulder to make sure I'm getting it right. No, I'm not. I'm just... Only because I'm reading it and I'm not quite sure what it means. I think it's like, we're all in here. And we deal out the being indoors. Yep. Each one dwells. That's what that's what everyone does that we have in common. Yeah. We deal out. It's what I was saying. We that's share. What we were saying we share. And I read this today. Wow. Not yesterday. Wow. I was like, all of life is sharing. Yep. So each mortal does one thing and the same. Deals out that being indoors. Each one dwells. Selves. Goes itself. Myself. It speak. It speaks and spells. Crying. What I do is me. For that I came. Is there? Is it possible that it's like selves goes itself? Myself, like myself, it speaks and spells. It's saying I love like that. myself. You itself. figured it out. Yeah. Spells goes itself. Selves. selves. What did I say? He said spells. <laughs> Fucking shit. <laughs> I like. I like this. Selves goes itself. Myself, it speaks and spells. Crying, what I do is me. For that I came. Mm. That's how I think you read it. Mm. This part is more gettable. I say more. The just man justices keeps grace that keeps all his going goings graces. Okay, it's about to get more understandable. <laughs> Acts in God's eyes what in God's eyes he is. Christ. For Christ plays in 10,000 places. Lovely in limbs. And lovely in eyes not his. Mm -hmm. 
to the Father through the features of men's faces. Mm. I love that. That's it's really the it's it's those last four lines. That's so good. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Why is she favoring the backyard so much? Bec- maybe because uh, the people are working in the front yard. Not anymore. Oh, you're right. Um, okay. I think oh. we should end. We'll say, keep it crispy. I thought, should we play Bird Talker or have Katie play Bird Talker? I was going to say, I was going to ask to play Be Where You Are. That's what I was going to say? Yeah, that one? Okay. So, Katie, here at the end, when we're going to say keep it crispy and then please play. This is Bird Talker from their only album, One. Um, we're playing without permission, so to make it up for them, can you please promise to go on Spotify and give the whole album a listen and get them some some uh, some some bread? Uh, but I also j- just now I'm just talking too much. I bought the record too because I don't want to be on an airplane without it. It's I, incredible. I bought the record as well, and also their EP called Just This. There's an EP called Just This. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. Yeah. Well, I'm going to buy that too. So please support Bird Talker, and uh, I, they seem like the kind of sweet, kind-hearted people that wouldn't mind us playing the song. Yeah. Um, so this is the song, Be be Where You Are. Yeah. Okay, from their album one. Keep, keep it crispy. Keep it crispy. <laughs> <laughs> love you guys. Nobody loves you. We love you. We love you. You're lovable. We love you. Who's, who's more lovable than you? Come on! Come on! Give me a good name. Here comes the song. My friend, have you lost hold again? Do you feel like somebody else? Have you got fire in your mind It keeps you up at night I watch you run round head down And disregard it I see you running from your shadow How can I ask you please to stay You can run till you've got nothing left You'll still end up face to face
Stop and take a breath And be where you are Be where you 